0: DW Africa Link It's exactly 5 pm in Nigeria same time as here in Bonn Germany and it's time for Africa's best news programme. Hello and welcome to DW Africa Link Show. My name is Josie Mahachi.
1: And Josie Mahachi is with me, George Kachi. This show is coming to you straight from our studios here in Bonn, Germany and live on our Facebook page, DW Africa.
0: Now here's what's coming up. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz is in Nigeria. But what's behind Scholz's visit to the continent? We hear from our international reporter.
2: Nigeria has huge infrastructure needs. So you've got a business delegation traveling with Olaf our looking at what kind of business can we do with Nigeria, trying to sort of present this as a win-win situation.
1: And still on the Chancellor's visit to Nigeria, we find out about gas imports from the West African country.
2: We're
3: improving our domestic gas infrastructure by building all the uh, grand network that we require to deliver gas and potentially also extend them through Algeria into Europe
0: Stay tuned for the details after the World News In Brief.
3: DW News. And I am Michael Oti. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has called for a closer partnership to manage migration during his visit to Nigeria. Scholz, who was speaking at an economic forum in Lagos, stressed that in addition to facilitate the repatriation of nigerians without the right to stay in germany the immigration of skilled workers must also be promoted to this end migration centers that have been established in nigeria to support returnees from germany are to be expanded more on this story on africa link israeli ground forces have advanced deeper into the gaza strip The Al-Qassam Brigades, the armed wing of the Palestinian Islamist Hamas movement, which controls the coastal strip, said they had fired anti-tank missiles at Israeli units in the Saitun district southeast of Gaza. Meanwhile, Israel is calling on Russia to protect its citizens after a pro-Palestinian mob stormed the airport at Russia's Dagestan region, breaking down doors after a plane from Israel landed there. Some 20 people were injured. At the Makak Facility, here is DW's Chief Russia Correspondent, Yuri Reseto? I spoke to some people from Dagestan who said very clearly that this angry crowd last night wasn't representative of the entire republic, but at the same time they said that certain anti-Semitic tendencies are nevertheless very clear in Dagestan as well as, as, as everywhere in Russia nowadays. So the result of last day night is 60 people were arrested, 20 people were injured, two of them very seriously, and the investigative committee has launched an investigation, and I think uh, the reaction of the authorities will be very harsh. DW's Chief Russia Correspondent Yuri Risheto there. This news is from Deutsche Welle, Germany's international public broadcaster. South Africa is calling on the UN to deploy a rapid protection force to protect civilians in the Palestinian enclave of Gaza from further bombardment as Israel steps up its retaliation for a deadly attack by militant group Hamas. Nigeria's main opposition leader, Atiku Abubakar, says last week's Supreme Court decision, affirming President Bola Tinubu's election win, would erode trust in elections and called for changes to the electoral laws to improve transparency. The country's top court rejected a challenge by Atiku and Peter Obi, who came second and third in the vote respectively, slamming the door on any legal challenge against Tinubu, who says he won fairly. Authorities in Mexico say at least 48 people have died after Hurricane Otis battered parts of the country. Most of the deaths occurred in Acapulco, where residents have criticized the slow pace of government help for the devastated area. One estimate puts the damage from the storm at $15 billion. And finally, Facebook and Instagram users in Europe will be able to buy subscriptions to use the social networks without being tracked for targeted advertisement from next month, Meta has announced on Monday. This is to comply with tougher EU rules. Tech titans now face a growing European Union legal arsenal, which was designed to curb how they do business online and demand better privacy protection for users. For more news, visit our website dw.com or download our mobile app. I am Michael Oti. Thanks,
0: OT, and thank you to everyone for sticking with us on the programme, DW's Africa Link. I'm your host, Josie Mahachi.
1: And seated next to Josie Mahachi is Jojo Kachi. We welcome all our listeners uh, who are following us on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Remember to comment on the stories that we are covering. And just to get straight to it, Josie, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, is in Nigeria on his third trip to Africa since taking office almost two years ago. German President Frank-Walter Steinmeier is also expected to visit Tanzania and Zambia for bilateral talks.
0: Now, Germany has set a new tone on dealing with countries in Africa as German businesses are keen to become more active on the continent. But what's behind German Chancellor Scholz's visit to Africa was the first question I asked DW's international reporter Richard Walker
2: yeah well Jesse, there are really a, a few things kind of, which kind of come together, but I guess you could put them like under the sort of banner headline of of Schultz trying to make more new friends in the global south, so this is partly about the german economy um, germany 's economy is is beginning to stagnate like the the kind of model of the German economy has kind of reached the end of its sort of functioning life. And basically, what Germany did for many years was it got cheap energy from Russia, and then its industry produced expensive goods, which it sold to China. And both sides of that equation are looking pretty shaky. In terms of cheap energy from Russia, well, that basically stopped uh, since Russia invaded Ukraine. Schultz is really interested in trying to find alternative sources of energy, particularly natural gas, which is really important. Uh, to German industry and in this case in the form of uh, liquid natural gas, also uh, in the future potentially hydrogen um, in the green economy. So that's the one side. And then on the other side, Because of China's development, there's this increasing concern that Germany has focused way too much on selling cars and industrial goods to China. And it needs to diversify away from that, because what happens if China invades Taiwan or relations between China and the West broadly just get worse and worse and worse? That Germany needs to find other markets for its um, kind of industrial products. And that's another reason why um, countries in West Africa might be interesting. Nigeria has huge infrastructure needs. Um, So you've got a business delegation traveling with Olaf Scholz to come here looking at, okay, what kind of business can we do with Nigeria? Trying to sort of present this as a win-win situation. But this is happening
0: at a very crucial time when Germany right now is actually like sending back migrants uh, to Africa, mainly Nigerians. So one would wonder why... Is this visit crucial at this particular time, Richard?
2: Yeah, so in terms of migration, well, yeah, that's another big issue for Germany. So on the one hand, Germany needs skilled immigration in large numbers. And that's basically because German society, like many uh, Western societies, is aging very rapidly. And it's a particularly strong phenomenon in Germany. So a lot of people are retiring from the workforce and there aren't enough people coming up Uh, through the education system uh, to fill skilled positions. So Germany has kind of switched into a gear of saying, okay, we've got to go out into the world and try to kind of find skilled workers who we can get into our system. So on the one hand, Germany wants to get skilled workers in, but on the other hand, there's political pressure from the populist right wing particularly in Germany, um, saying that uh, it's important that people who've gone into Germany to try to seek asylum and then have failed to receive asylum should then be deported. So that is one part of the backdrop to this trip as well. There are more than 10,000 people uh, in Germany who Germany says these are Nigerians who have applied for asylum. Their cases have been rejected. They need to return to Nigeria. And that is a source of a little bit of back and forth between the two sides about how to get that process moving. Certainly the German government feeling political pressure from the right in Germany, to get that process moving.
0: So before I let you go, I know that you also have a trip coming up to Accra, Ghana now, but what else is on the agenda for the Chancellor uh, on this African tour?
2: Yeah, so that's the sort of big picture. The migration issue is not quite so much of an issue with Ghana because agreements already exist with Ghana to to handle these matters. Um, But I think in Ghana, you will also see the economy being high on the agenda. So trying to strengthen business ties between Ghana and uh, and Germany, of course, Ghana being not such a massive economy like Nigeria is in the region. Um, but also there are other areas where Ghana and uh, Germany, I think, see very much eye to eye, particularly in the case of like UN peacekeeping, where Ghana is a really leading player. So Schultz is going to be visiting uh, a peacekeeping center in Ghana named after the former UN Secretary General uh, Kofi Annan. So UN peacekeeping operations, an added element of the visit Ghana.
0: Okay, I was speaking there to our international reporter, Richard Walk, who's also part of the delegation of the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz.
1: And still in Nigeria, this signals that more opportunities are about to open up for the country's oil and gas sector as Germany The world's uh, 10th largest consumers opens uh, talks with the authorities there.
0: Now, as we mentioned earlier that German Chancellor Olaf Scholz is currently on a visit to Nigeria, energy topic is also top on the agenda. Our correspondent in Niger Delta region, Mohamed Bello, sent this report.
4: For some time now, EU has been making offers to Nigeria to drive liquefied natural gas supply to replace Russian gas. After Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, Germany, with the strongest economy in Europe, immediately turned to Qatar for the liquefied gas it intended to fuel its industries. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz's visit makes it the third to the sub-Saharan Africa in two years as the conflicts relating to Ukraine, Russia, and Hamas-Israel wars highlight the growing importance of an energy-rich region in which Germany has had traditionally little involvement. While in Nigeria, the chancellor will open discussions with the Nigerian authorities on the possibility of importing more oil and gas to meet his country's needs. But the German chancellor's visit to Nigeria, to Perry Bruno, who heads an energy firm, Levy Energies Limited, had this to say. Nigeria considers
2: itself as a beautiful bride with regards to the gas. Situation in the world, considering the fact that uh, we have uh, reserves, and what the world needs now is the fallout of the Russia Ukraine war, uh, which makes it uh, absolutely necessary for people to require an
4: alternative source for gas. Africa and Nigeria, particularly, should take advantage of this situation. Although the value of trade in 2021 was 10 times lower than what Germany did with South Africa, Nigeria remains Germany's second largest trade partner in sub Saharan Africa. Nigeria for some time has been taking appropriate steps to turn its abundant gas resources into veritable catalyst for development, as the nation's gas potential might be more than 600 trillion cubic feet. Melikari is the chief executive officer of the Nigerian National Petroleum Corporation Limited.
3: We are improving our domestic gas infrastructure by building all the uh, grand network that we require to deliver gas to all regions of this country and potentially also extend them through Algeria into Europe and also to complete an uh, ongoing initiative to ensure that we construct a line from Brass all the way through 11 West African countries into Morocco and then end it
4: up in Europe. Indeed, the need for improved security in this all-important venture is critical. It is an open fact that Nigeria's oil and gas production capacity is being hampered by pipeline theft and vandalism. As a result, the Nigeria liquefied natural gas terminal is still being operated at 60% capacity. Eric Omari was president of IJOS Youth Council in the Niger Delta region. IJOS are considered the biggest tribe in the area. On security, he said.
5: Well, security of oil and gas uh, operations in the Niger Delta region of Nigeria uh, at us today is a very big challenge. challenge, in my view, arising from so many years of uh, mismanagement of oil resources, especially as it relates to the welfare of the people of the oil-producing communities. Uh, because of the management of these resources, the people of the oil-bearing communities in the Niger Delta region have resorted to extra uh, legal means to um, assert their right to control their resources. And also, uh, there is a, um, a cartel of um, people who are into uh, uh, vandalization of oil facilities. Uh, which view to use the same for uh, local refining? So these uh, uh, issues are posed a very big challenge to oil and gas operations in the Niger Delta.
4: Germany has already indicated that it will halt import of Russian oil as it opens the door for supplies from exporting nations like Nigeria.
1: Mohammed Habello, many thanks for that report, and of course, traits uh, to your comments. We did ask uh, what does this uh, trip by Olaf Scholz uh, mean for Nigeria.
0: And Gameli Seadzi says the question should rather be what do the Germans want from Nigeria?
1: Mm, interesting way of how you see it. And Lamine uh, says say, you say, I wonder why they are desperately looking forward to do trade with African nations when they have no black German policies uh, back at home.
0: Okay, and Honourable T. Pike says it means that Nigeria is allowing all these people to visit the country.
1: Of course, keep your comments coming on this particular uh, story and uh, thank you for staying with us. And in case you're just joining us, this is where it is happening. And by that, I mean the only platform for unbiased information for free minds. DW Africa Link is the name of the program. And my name is George.
0: And mine is Josie Mahachi and that of our Facebook page is DW Africa. Like and follow the page but most importantly comment on stories we are covering. Your input is truly valued. A reminder of our top story German Chancellor Olaf Scholz is in Nigeria for talks aimed at deepening relations between Berlin and Lagos.
1: And still to come on this part of the show, guns are so loud in Democratic Republic of Congo, causing massive devastations. But sadly, some aid organizations have started suspending operations as humanitarian crises soars.
0: We are facing the risk of starvation at the Kanyarushinyang camp. WFP provided us with essential food supplies. Now we are uncertain. Now let's get straight to this worrying development from the Congo and the country is facing an impending humanitarian crisis with escalating violence displacing 6.9 million people.
1: Now, intensified fighting between M23 rebels and the government-backed militias in North Kivu has led to aid groups, including the World Food Programme, suspending operations. Zanet Neti provides more details in the following piece narrated by our very own Michael Oti.
3: Aid organizations are caught in the midst of conflict in North Kivu, specifically north of the provincial capital Goma. The World Food Programme has immediately suspended operations in Nyirangongo territory, situated 20 kilometers north of Goma. This suspension is expected to impact millions in urgent need of basic necessities. Katrin Chongo, an internally displaced person in the region, shares her distress.
0: We
6: are
0: facing the risk of starvation at the Kanyarushinyang camp. WFP provided us with essential food supplies. Now we are uncertain about the fate of ourselves and our children. The children are especially vulnerable to starvation.
3: Reports indicate that M-23 rebels are advancing towards the north of Goma. Over the weekend, mortar fire and automatic weapon rounds were heard in Bamboo, approximately 60 kilometres north of Goma. Shelling hit the town centre, causing panic among thousands of residents who fled north to reach government-controlled areas. This situation severely hampers aid groups' operations. Bruno Emwetoware, a human rights defender based in Goma, stressed that the deteriorating security situation is greatly affecting the civilian population.
5: It's
7: disheartening to see the World Food Program halt its activities in the IDP camps around
5: Goma. Displaced people are fleeing ongoing clashes, and the ability of international organizations to assist due to approaching insecurity worsens the problem.
3: The number of internally displaced people in the Democratic Republic of Congo has surged to a record 6.9 million due to escalating violence, according to the United Nations refugee agency IOM. Justin Bizimana, a rights activist from Ruturu territory, urges the government to increase efforts to aid those affected by the recent conflict.
4: We implore our government to liberate our areas for our return home. Peace and social-humanitarian support are crucial. We await government action to help our population in the interim.
5: Meanwhile,
3: medical charity organization Doctors Without Borders has called for the absolute protection of healthcare facilities in eastern DRC.
0: Thanks, Michael Oti, for narrating that story by our correspondent, Sanim Neti.
1: Now straight to your comments, Uh, Francis Ebungeo, you say, even if the fighting escalated, they are finding themselves in a situation of insecurity. Do they have uh, available resources to sustain the project? Each time these organizations run out of stock, they will always seek for excuses. Let them give room for other partners to engage uh, their humanitarian activities. Josie, would you sample another one? Yeah. Um, oh, or rather, let me jump to 50 50 50 uh, says okay. uh, superpower South Africa must send military to help our Congolese brothers.
0: And Annele Mbokazi says South Africa, Egypt and Nigeria, Algeria, rather we can save Africa and South Africa have been doing that inside the region. Hence, we are the most peaceful region in Africa because of South African defense forces.
1: And Adeleke Omoola, you're saying this will lead to wastage of many lives. Why would the WFP suspend their duty of supplying aid? I guess it's because DRC is an African country. They will never try to do that in Europe.
0: Okay, thank you so much for those comments. You can keep them coming on our Facebook page, DW. Africa. We now go to central part of Africa as climate change in the far north of Cameroon has led to many people being displaced in the last two years. Conflicts of over water supplies have forced thousands to flee their homes.
1: And talk about the serious consequences of these conflicts. Around 50 people have reportedly been killed and numerous villages burnt down, according to the United Nations Human Rights Body, UNHCR. And as DW's Blaze a Young reports, many people are still unable to go back home two years down the line.
4: Ah.
5: Ahmed Buba is a successful cattle farmer. He grazes them around the village of Bogo. But he doesn't know what to do right now. This year, the dry season has started far too early. And this has made what is an annual problem worse. Population.
7: During the dry season, the farmers who have water close to their farms don't allow us to take our animals near them to use the water. We have to move away and fetch water from a stream. Another solution is to pay people who have the necessary equipment to pump water from underground.
5: Bube has seen the weather become unpredictable over the last couple of years. It seems like it's either too hot and dry, or too wet. The lack of water has become a source of conflict. No, uh-huh. Sally had to buy a new grain mill when he left his village. His was destroyed when invaders burned down his house two years ago. That was when fighting broke out between his tribe, the two Arabs, who are largely farmers and fishermen, and Musgum, a tribe made up of mainly cattle herders. Oh, dear, Mando.
7: The fishermen in our community created pools of water for fishing. When the cattle go there and start to drink the water, they make a mess and the water runs out of the pools. The fish then die, and all this leads to conflict between the fishermen and the cattle breeders.
5: The fighting was so bad that at least 100,000 people fled to Chad. A further 15,000 and now internally displaced persons living in camps like Hadijah. It's been almost two years since she left her home. But returning doesn't seem to be an option for Hadijah.
0: I've never thought of going back. It hasn't even occurred to me to return to our village. Because every time I think of the conflict, I get scared. I'm prepared to stay here even if I have nothing to eat. I'd rather stay here than go back
5: to my village. The people here have found a safe place to stay. But with the adverse effects of climate change still haunting this region, it may just be a matter of time before these people have to move to another place. Outside the village, Buba's cattle eat what they can. He and his brothers discuss what to do. They want the authorities to help the community.
7: If the impact of climate change continues as it is now, I expect the government to find ways to help us. We can never abandon our animals. Animals are the first thing we saw when we were born into this world. It's the only thing we can do. We have trouble finding land to graze the animals. The government has to help us.
5: But the government has not offered much help. To the people at the camp. Many people here struggle to find enough to eat.
1: And this is the start of what promises to be a long
5: dry season.
1: Blaze Young from Cameroon, many thanks for that piece. Africa Link Sport.
0: It's time for sports news. And George, I'm still. <laughs> In a celebratory mood, of course. See that. I can so. see that. Definitely,
6: aloud, yeah? That
0: it's just unfortunate that my Springboks uh, jersey was um, obviously dirty. I wore it on Saturday, and I had it on it on like, Sunday.
6: You
1: should just had it today, like. Uh, uh
0: You know, yeah. I mean, South Africa's rugby team's victory over the weekend was. Out of this world, now the Springboks, the World Rugby Champions will kick off a four-day trophy tour to major places in South Africa starting this Thursday.
1: I'm sure if you were to be in given South permission, it would... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, according to South Africa's rugby, the team is expected in the country on Tuesday and will start their homecoming tour 48 hours after arrival. For more on the sports and this exciting moment here is Bubajalo.
6: Hey Josie and George, this is exciting, isn't it? Now, after securing the fourth Rugby World Cup title and defeating New Zealand, the Springboks are returning home to an enthusiastic reception. The trophy tour will start in Pretoria, Johannesburg, Soweto and end at the Soccer City on November 2nd. The team will then proceed to Cape Town, on November 3rd, followed by Durban, and finally East London in the Eastern Cape on November 5. South Africa's record in Rugby World Cup Finals was extended in Paris, making them the first nation to claim four tournament victories. The thrilling 12-11 win over New Zealand sparked debate about their place in rugby history. Oxnature is a prop for the Springboks.
4: Right, our aim was to start on our terms. It was to... To just go, it's a lost one, boys. Go all out, give it your all, and yeah, don't hold back anything. And I think that's what everyone did today. It was they went all out, gave it for as long as you can. Like just be as productive as you can for as long as you're on the field.
6: Meanwhile, New Zealand's Adi Savia has been named World Rugby Men's 15 Player of the Year despite losing in the World Cup final. And now to some football. Lionel Messi is a strong contender for the Ballon d'Or this evening following his success with Argentina in the World Cup. Ronaldo Cristiano, a five-time winner, didn't get nominated for the first time in 20 years. Spain, Aitana Bonmati is expected to challenge Messi in a major announcement to be made tonight. And the football world awaits this evening. I am also looking forward to that. I guess, George, you too, as a football follower, there. I know you. And now, former Spanish Football Association president Luis Rubiales has been banned from all football-related activities for three years by FIFA. Rubiales kissed forward Jenny Hermoso on the lips following Spain's women's World Cup final win over England. Rubiales claims the kiss at the post-match presentation ceremony was mutual and consensual, but Hermoso said it was not consensual and filed a legal complaint. And finally, Olympic champion Casta Semenya says her major aim is no longer to win medals, but to pursue her legal battle against world athletics. The double 800-meter champion wants to challenge the testosterone-level reduction requirement for female athletes with differences in sexual development. She says the requirement is discriminatory. It targets only Africans and, uh, and uh, Asians because those are the only athletes that are affected by the, 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 this situation. And the question that you raise uh, as a woman... And you will say, is this you know, in the best interest of women's sports or is in the best interest of certain women? And that's all the update we have on sports. Back to you guys in the studio, Josie and George.
1: Very well. Many thanks, Buban uh, Josie. You are itching. I'm sure you want us <laughs> to talk. Still talk about South Africa Springboks, and and I ha- I enjoy everything. I love everything, but the size of the trophy—it's so small for this <laughs> big, those, for those big
0: <laughs> <boys>. <laughs> You are talking of the size of the trophy. South Africans don't care about that because what they are waiting for is the public holiday the president promised them. So tonight, I hear the president will be addressing South Africans, and I know many of them are waiting for the president to say probably. From tomorrow till Friday, it's public holiday.
1: I belong to South Africa at this moment. (laughs) (laughs) I should go there right away. (laughs) Quick
0: comment here from Lieka, Philip It's a congratulations, Bokeh, we the world of rugby again. Huge, huge respect for New Zealand players. You fought like soldiers.
1: Of course, we have Nixon Olieri saying congratulations to my South African people.
0: Thank you so much for keeping us company here on DW South Africa link for today. My name is Josie Mahachi.
1: And I'm George Okachi. DW Made
0: for Minds.